You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletic Show. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to this week's edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and Zach's growling stomach has made an appearance. Jeez. <laughs> Zach's good. In theory, leave my house and within a half mile be at the fridge to pick up a snack because they have snacks there whatever you need for your party purposes i think the prop bet on zach's stomach just cashed within the first 10 seconds i know i know man i just i was feeling great and then you started and it was just like i'm hungry he's hungry for information uh again we appreciate the fridge being our sponsor tim fitzgerald zach carlson ryan gills gilbert and two smelly dogs if anyone's a groomer here in the manhattan area please contact me we're in desperate need of dog grooming i put in my own little plug there if you've never listened to the questions podcast this is how it works we take our questions from our VIPs at Wabash Station at GoPowerCat.com, and they get to contribute to this podcast with the topics. They pick the topics. Um, we pick from the questions. Um, there's some things we don't discuss on this. We don't really do recruiting too much. We leave that to Ryan Wallace and Cole Carmody to handle that. Um, but the good news is we might have a little bit of them because there's so many great questions. Cole and Wally are going to get together and do a second serving of the PowerCat Questions podcast on video. And it'll also be on podcast platforms, but that'll come later in the week with some more of your questions. But if you're not a member of Go PowerCat, now is a perfect time to do it. 60% off uh, our basically our offensive coordinator bowl prep sale. It's just, it's morphed into so many things at this point. Uh, but uh, yeah, get over there. If you want to be able to ask the questions, if you want to know what I've said behind the paywall, which is where I put the best stuff, make sure you're subscribing to gopowercat.com at 60% off. But this edition could get interesting. We got questions all over the board, and of course, some dealing with um, the ongoing Naquan Tomlin. Uh, situation. It's not even about Naquan anymore. He's now a player at Memphis. Congratulations, Naquan. Rumors of an NIL up to a half million dollars for the half season. Those are rumors, though. Nigel hey. Pack is proud. Yes. Nigel Pack's like, what the hell? 
So um, makes Nigel Pack's deal look small, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, it's crazy what is being floated out there in the NIL space, but you never know what the real answer is. Maybe it was far lower than that, but I can guarantee you uh, this. It's no more than 50% lower than that. And I think we can all agree a quarter million for a half season of college basketball is not a bad deal at all. This worked out fine for Naquan, uh, and he probably has a lawsuit he can file too. So that'll be fun for K-State. But um, we will get into the ongoing tension between President Linton, his athletic department, and the, and you know the student body and fan base. There'll be some of that. I have no idea what questions they picked. In fact, I have no idea what any of the questions are. I try to stay out of the questions thread as much as possible. So my answers on this are truly spontaneous at, right after I hear the question. So let's get going. Did I leave anything out there, Zach? I feel like I did. Did you say 60% off? 60% off. Yeah. I said it. Did I you said mess it. up what street the fridge is on? Oh, I didn't even say that the street is uh, this and that, the corner of this and that. The fridge is right over here on the west side of town near the football stadium and near a taco place that has a sound effect that goes dong. Taco Hut on the hill. Yeah, exactly. That used to no. be. Not it. Not it. That's a that's a coffee shop now. Mm. It's not the best taco joint in Manhattan. I can tell you that much. Ah, that. I had to. Yeah, he is accurate about that. Here we go. Questions for Ball Bass Station. Ryan Gills Gilbert, who might work at another taco place in Aggieville that likes to wrestle with their customers. Only you. Thank you. Here we go. From Oiler Cat 2, Fitz, was last week the craziest you have ever, excuse me, you have ever had to cover during your career? Uh, no. I mean, let's be honest here. The It's Patterson week was by far because I knew I was right at the time. Um, and I got blamed for a lot of things that weren't my responsibility. Um, but, yeah, that was that was incredible because I just had to take it. You know, I just they let everyone know in athletics that they were hiring Gary Patterson and it wasn't a done deal, like they said. And I had to take the blame. That sucked. But I always judge these things by how often my phone goes dead. And I can't use Ryan Gilbert as a measurement because he has a phone that goes (laughs) dead every two hours because it's an iPhone uh, from 1985. I know they didn't really have them, but it's what it looks like. It's a Macintosh. It has a, it has a home button for those who don't know. It, uh, yeah, there we go. That's exactly. It has a home button. We got to get him a new phone, but I don't like him that much. Um, but yeah, my phone went dead, uh, three times the other day from texting calls, you know, being, I, most of the day I'm on my phone, not down here in the studio tied to my desk. Um, I'm upstairs living a life and eating lunch and tending to my cattle. Which are poodles. Um, but yeah, it was and then the next day was like two charges and it's been it's been nuts. Um, but I'll say this uh, anytime you find yourself as a journalist as part of the story, it, it's really uncomfortable. Uh, and uh, I look back at some of the stuff that went down uh, during that Patterson situation. And I got to admit, as much as I, with everything that's gone in my life, I've tried to let go of the negative energy. Some of it still really bothers me. Uh, how I was scapegoated for something I didn't really cause. I just simply thought the AD would make the hire and not the president. That's what happened. So um, I think we can all agree it worked out fine with Bill Snyder coming back. But this is weird because um, this is entirely self-inflicted. And this will be the third 
person in power to threaten my ability to do my job at K-State. I'm not going to bring up the other two. I mean, one, you could probably guess. But um, the other is a really good person who I think honestly made a mistake and knew he made a mistake the second I told him, you can go ahead and do that, but I don't think my investors will like it very much. I don't think the fans will like it very much if you pull my credentials. Um, That's always the threat. When they got nothing else, they threaten your credentials. I mean, Lincoln Riley, an insecure man, did it at USC this year with a reporter, which was really not a very big deal at all. That was a crazy situation. Um, But... Yeah, this has been a nutty one. This Oiler Cat, this has been insane. But I, I, I'm really at a peace with a lot of things, and and I'm not worried uh, about this at all. In the fact that when I screw something up, I immediately correct it because being right uh, is important to me. There's so many movies I can't even tell you. It's not like I have this list of things people have given me that have gone on. I'm hearing from. People all over this campus, all over this community, and honestly, from the donor class of another level of people, his accusation that my sources must be in athletics is showing his ignorance of where he's at. He's in a at a small community, a tight family, basically, and I've been here 25 years, so I know a lot of people, and a lot of people have reached out to me about a lot of troubling things going on on campus, not just in athletics. So it's been crazy. It's not done. As we record this, the Board of Regents is meeting. We don't know if they'll even address it because, you know, one of the great things about political leadership is if I ignore the problem, I don't have to deal with it. And maybe someone else will deal with it and it'll go away. That's what we see a lot from our politicians all across the country. Well, that's going to be really difficult to deal with. Let's not. You know, I mean, you can just point to a number of things to get that. But I I have the feeling the Board of Regents will go, oh, we just hired him. It can't be that bad. And just ignore everything they're they're being told. So, yeah, crazy. Absolutely insane. From El Camino Cat 2, it seems like Cooper Beebe's accolades have been overshadowed by the drama of the last week. Take a moment to appreciate his success. Is he the greatest lineman in K-State history? Yes, I think he is the greatest lineman in K-State history. I think it's been borne out with his accolades. You know, we just wanted to know what it was going to be. Um, by the way, shout out to the Big 12 coach that didn't vote him first team. He was not unanimous Big 12. Someone left him off. It's probably the same one that had Austin Moore as the player of the year. Right, yeah, had to be the same one. I Somebody that didn't play K-State. Well, I I have my theory who it is. They didn't play K-State. He doesn't appear to be a real good football coach. Uh, And he lives in Ohio, but I'm not going to say who it is. Or Northern Kentucky, maybe? Oh, he could live in Northern Kentucky. That's the deep, dark secret of that city. It has its own KCK. But it's Kentucky. That's where they have the airport. I feel like I should add some more. uh, They have the airport over in Kentucky. It's in Kentucky. Wow. Um, Yeah, I feel like I should put some dramatic music under that. Dun dun. It's in Kentucky. (laughs) But yeah, that's I. It's got to be someone that didn't play K State and has no background with playing K State, or you know, I don't know. 
I, I don't know. It's just so idiotic. But yes, Cooper Beebe's incredible. Let's get him up in the ring as soon as he's eligible because the fact we don't have a lineman up there is kind of shocking. Um, I, I've said this before. I think Nick Leckie should be up there also, but we'll see. We'll see. There's. You're right, though. A lot of stuff's been overshadowed. Colin Klein got off easy. Everyone moved on. <laughs> right. Um, you know, the Avery thing was quickly squashed. Resolved. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think. I think everyone. If I had to guess the head coach on down, this was a question about Avery. So I mean, that had to be answered pretty quickly. Because right now, as we're seeing in the NIL space, schools are cheating their asses off. They're contacting players and other rosters. And again, the feckless NCAA is absolutely the cause of most of the issues of college sports. So excuse me when the new uh, NCAA guy poses some solutions. Solve the problems you have. Anyhow, yes, Cooper Beebe, awesome. Does K-State need to start cheating harder? I know this is completely opposite from the question, but... Um, Fitz, are you going to talk about going 80 and a 75? Right, Exactly. Um, you know, there's some like fringe rule breaking that is going on here. What's happening is NILs, which are, you know, disconnected from the university are, are using it. Um, Hey, we heard there was a rumor Avery might go into the portal. We just wanted you to know that this NIL collective would certainly help you end up at university of blah, blah, blah. So did the university cheat? I think this is what needs to happen, though. I, they used to threaten to disassociate you from your university. That's what happened to SMU. Right. They need to do that to NILs. We're, we're looking at you to, you know. But that's why you, you see the indications here. The NCAA president now wants to make it all part of the university. He wants to make this all this above payments board. above board. So they don't have to worry about it. So they're not worrying about it now. There'll be a whole nother level of cheating, you dunce. Yeah. I mean, everyone's going to live in the gray area to get an advantage. Answer your question. Like Gil said, if the posted speed limit's 60 and everyone's doing 75, at least do 75. You're going to have programs out there doing 120. Um, but they're probably, you know, friends with the enforcement, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a cop, or right? I know the, I know the highway patrolman, I'm that kind of stuff. Same thing with, look, the NCAA ain't touching us. Half their lawyers are from our law school, so yeah, I think I they need to amp it up a little bit. But we'll get into that, I guess, a little more in the second half. Yeah, I but forgot. The, <laughs> the, the thing is, is uh, you go out and hire guys like Chris Kleiman and Jerome Tang. They want to do it above board. They don't want to be involved in it. They see what that, you know, with what happens when you've got a team captain, people start floating numbers. I'll be very intrigued to see what Kobe Savage makes in the NIL space, if that ever comes out. Because I think they baited him into getting into the transfer portal, and the numbers aren't going to be much higher than what he was getting. That's my yeah. thought. I wanted to say something about Cooper Beebe, who oh, yeah, is awesome. That was a question. Brian Hanley's number one offensive lineman in my heart. Uh, yeah, in, in your heart, yeah. In all of K-Stater's hearts, too, I think. Yeah. Yes. Let Definitely a starter. Let me give a shout-out for Big B and the work he's doing. He's killing it. He's killing it. He's He's got his own channel. If you Please go subscribe to Big B Sports. Um, he talks about a lot of pro stuff. Uh, we've got some big plans for Big B. Um, 
again, if you're a sponsor or have a company that might be interested in sponsoring some podcasts, we're going to have some stuff that's pretty freaking cool um, that is available, possibly. We are currently talking to a sponsor. Something else that's been on my plate during all this is trying to lock down a major sponsor for a new, shall I say, daily show. From MO354, what is the status of opt-outs for the bowl game? Everyone says Brooks and Senate are out, but it doesn't seem that they have announced that as such. Obviously, this question is old dated, but are there other non-announcement players who are opting out? Well, yeah. I mean, Philip Brooks had, had an announcement that he was leaving. You know, I mean, he, he put out the old Instagram with the type over the photo. That's about as official as you get now. Thank you, K-State. I mean, he doesn't have any years left, so he's he's just moving on, right? If you're declaring for the draft I've, at this point, and I think I've seen other media talk about this, it's you need to opt into the bowl game. It's it's already assumed that you were opting out of the bowl game. That's a good point. Yeah. You at this point, especially if it, if it's after, I mean, you can even look last year at Alabama, Bryce Young. He opted into the bowl game. Everybody assumed the number one pick was not going to play in the Sugar Bowl. But you know what? He's a college football player, and he went and said, I'm playing the Sugar Bowl with my boys for the last you know, time ever, and I'm going to do it and play in the Sugar Bowl. But that's very rare for a player of that caliber to say, hey, I'm sticking around for one more game with my teammates. And and nobody would have blamed him for play or for for foregoing the bowl game and and just preparing for the NFL draft. But as we've seen now, preparing for the NFL draft is more important, especially if you're a guy like Ben Sennett. It's way more important than playing a bowl game. And we can go back to Cooper Beebe. Cooper Beebe should not be playing this bowl game. I think all of us can agree that agree with that. But you have the other thing: his brother is on the team, and he wants to play with his brother. And that might be one more time of him saying, hey, I want to play with my teammates. I want to play with my brother for one more final time. I'm going to make all this money in the NFL. I feel pretty confident that I'm going to stay healthy throughout the bowl game. And, you know, if if the game's out of hand one way or another, he's probably not going to be playing anyway. So, you know, I think right. that this is one more chance for him to, you know, live that college football experience. And quite frankly, there might be a lot of guys that are, you know, like Bryce Young or like Cooper Beebe that say, hey, one more time for the team. You know, this is what I was a part of for three, four, five years. You know, I want to be a part of it one more time. And I'm not saying it's wrong to say that, you know, you forgo that to go prepare for the NFL draft because it's your life. You know, if you're a football player and you've earned the right to play in the NFL, I think that you need to take that as seriously as possible. And if that means not playing a bowl game and preparing on your own, you know, I don't think that lessens your impact in the college game, but it is the decision now that, Hey, you need to opt into the bowl game because it's going to be assumed that if you're going pro, you're not playing. I, I think we're leaving the bowl era of college football very quickly. I think the fact that they try to still hide behind the history and majesty of such notable games as the Pop-Tarts Bowl and the Duke's Mayo Bowl. I miss the Carquest Bowl, and honestly, the Blockbuster Bowl was obviously effective advertising. Uh, 
Um, yeah, I, I just think the bowl games don't mean as much to anyone. So why should they mean as much to players? If you're in one of the storied games, even though it might be sponsored by someone, it's still the Sugar Bowl to you. It bothers me when they completely drop their name. You should have a name of a bowl. I would like the NCAA to mandate to be validated as a bowl game. You have to have a regionalized name to your bowl. It can't just be a sponsor. If you want to be about the history of bowl games, this should be the Pop-Tarts Tangerine Bowl. This sounds be. like a terrible flavor, Fitz. <coughs> I love tangerines. It does sound like horrible flavor. You don't like fruit? Get out of here. Yeah, I love the fruit so much. Um, but yeah, I, I can't remember. What, were, what was the topic? We're talking about opt-outs. Oh my God, my See, brain. I think the new era of bowl games, though, is the Pop-Tarts Bowl or the Mayo Bowl. You're making something silly, stupid for marketing and social media. There's uh, no, I, I, there's I, no prestige in the Tangerine Bowl, unfortunately. So, well, I get it, you know, but also, especially if these games are just, I mean, they're glorified spring scrimmages. Almost half the games now are ESPN creation right. stat programming. Let's not deny that. The Frisco Bowl, the Boca Raton Bowl, right. the those are all just created out of thin air by. By ESPN. It's television inventory. Right. And teams with opt-outs now, teams are treating it almost exactly that. ESPN is playing, paying us, paying our conference to go field a team that is going to teach us more about the next season than it is a reward for this season. That's what bowl games have become. Right or wrong, you know, I think that we have to accept it as, you know, you're not going to see two really good teams that you know we're just at the bottom of the top 25 or just outside of the top 25 saying let's see how good the big 12 versus the ACC was at a certain level right. it's just not the case anymore i would i'm i'm just there's a few bowl games that still have the traditional values woven through them most notably the liberty bowl i mean they they still are an important part of the memphis community they do things in memphis they have parades they do the traditional bowl stuff that most of them now have dropped i remember when we were covering stuff for the holiday bowl there was like a team activity every day i mean i remember watching uh, who was it which was it uh aaron lockett pet a dolphin at SeaWorld or something you know i it just all this weird stuff and now it's just about we're gonna go to the Children's Hospital, which is so noble and yet cliche. I mean, it's it's now about I'll never. This is I think this was my breaking moment, Zach. When the organizers of the Fiesta Bowl, what was the bowl we were covering that year? What was it called? Again, Cactus Bowl. It was the Cactus Bowl that year, and that's run by the Fiesta Bowl people. When they decided they were going to apply all the Fiesta Bowl coverage rules to this, right. Third dairy, is that a word? Secondary. Tertiary. I'm going with third dairy. I like it better. Uh, bowl. <clears throat> They're going to apply all those rules, which included because if Fiesta Bowl, you know, literally sells their rights completely to ESPN, you couldn't shoot highlights on the sideline. You couldn't. And you know what? I get it. If it's a national right. television it's a college game. playoff bowl. Right. Yeah. I get it. it. I get it. You, Which is funny because the Sugar Bowl let us film and they yeah. were the only one that did. Yeah. The Sugar Bowl did let us film because it wasn't part of the playoff structure. But they decided we couldn't film on the sidelines at the Cactus Bowl and neglected to tell us until we arrived 
You want to see how pissed off media was. How about television stations that spent their money to travel to cover this bowl game? Oh, yeah, you can't shoot the game. You can only shoot post game, which we could, they could get off a of feed. And then they had the balls to come ask us to go shoot shoot their their events at hospitals and stuff. And I'm like, no, no, you don't really get what you're doing here. It's not all about you. We're here to cover a football game, and we'd be glad to do that, but you won't let us cover the football game. So that's when I kind of broke with bowl games. I think they have switched that policy yeah. since after that year. I think after the ass chewing they got from the media that was there, both K State and who was the opponent? UCLA. Know. UCLA. Well, those people didn't care. College football playoffs only going to accelerate all this stuff, too. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, now that we get the top twelve teams going into a playoff, I mean, are they are they really going to use the bowl game still? They are, but why? Why? If you're not in the playoff, you might as well just be saying, "Oh, you don't you don't really count." If ESPN really wants to take control of this, what if they set up like four spots and played bowl games at those same spots like every two, three days? Fans come in, fans go out, fans come in, fans go out. I mean, you could do multiple in Vegas. Like a tournament? Like a well, like not, like not like a tournament, but like kind of like what we proposed for like the Big Twelve opening weekend. Yeah, like go play four games. Except it wouldn't over. be on the same day. It would right, be like right. T- no. Today's game in Las Vegas is this. Today's game in Orlando is this. Today's game in uh, Phoenix is this. You know, just pick four: yeah. Atlanta and Houston, like five spots. It's a good DD idea. I think. Write that down. Write it down right now. Write it down, folks. I got <laughs> my brain is Swiss cheese since the chemo pills. Uh-huh. Shall we? Yeah. Yeah. Continue. I'm I'm writing. (laughs) It's good podcasting. From Eric Schneid, what would have to happen in the bowl game for Connor Riley not to get the offensive coordinator job? And from Bill Snyder, Kleinsdale, if Connor Riley doesn't impress in the bowl game, will Chris Kleiman be willing to go another route? And that would risk losing Riley, wouldn't it? Yeah. That. So it's catch 22, I think. Yeah, it's an interesting situation, but I, I we've left uh, those questions are great, but they left out a layer of this decision. Who are you going to get as your quarterback coach? I mean, if you're going to get, I'm just going to throw some names out there. Jake Waters. Well, he's not ready to be OC in any way, but maybe you're looking at a guy from a team that's playing in a bowl game right now that said, look, coach, I really want to finish this out with my, my guys. I know that didn't happen very often, but there still are some good people out there. Um, actually, if someone told me that, I'd be more encouraged to hire them. Even though it wasn't convenient for me, I'm like, okay, this is a person with loyalty. But maybe that person, look, I've got a, I'm, I'm an OC here, and granted, it's a lower level, but I want to be, some, I don't want to just go to a quarterback job. I need, you know, so maybe you can only get that person as an OC, and Connor Riley's a co-OC. I don't think Chris Kleiman's decided anything on Connor Riley, and honestly. Unless it's a horrific offensive play calling performance, I don't think there's anything he can do to kind of override the fact he's on on his way to being the offensive coordinator or at least co-offensive coordinator. My question is this. OCs are typically in the booth. Typically. Kansas doesn't have that. I think that's interesting. Um, Kotalicki was on the field, which I didn't realize. Maybe he was in the booth. Anyhow, the guy they just hired is on the field. He's always been on the field. And so now they're going to have a play caller on the field, which I don't think is ideal. 
I just, it, if you ever watched a game from a sideline for five minutes, Zach, you can, you, right. you can't see that much. You, and we'll hear Chris Klein said, I have to, I look at the film. I mean, I did, couldn't see it. You know, I mean, you're down field level. It used to be so much worse when there was, you know, the big water runoff Giant arc. Crown. <laughs> crown at KSU Stadium was enormous. You some some people told me you couldn't if you were too short, you couldn't see the other sideline. You couldn't see anyone on the other sideline. That's how big the ground was. Thus, when you turn it to the outside on a running play, it's running downhill because it literally was. Gotta get them going downhill. Hmm. They still say that. It's because the crown of the field was downhill. You were running high to low. And there was a real like a jet propulsion. Imagine that. You got a running back coming at you, picking up speed, and you're going uphill to make a tackle. Anyhow, I'm a wandering idiot in this podcast. But yeah, I don't think there's it has to be a total disaster. So my point here is does Connor really want to leave his guys on the field to go to the booth? Does he want to try to call plays and have someone up in the booth communicating to him? It seems like that adds a whole difficult layer to everything. In this era of you know, tempo, you, you want to get all as many filters out as you want, you need. So, I mean, I can see Connor Riley wanted to be co-OC so he can have the power to tell Joe in the press box, the quarterback coach, who's actually calling the plays, dude, we got to get back to this. That slant was working, you know, that we got to, we got to stretch the field. You know, I think that's where his input will be. I don't want him distracted from the work he does with offensive linemen, but as the second part of that question is, you cannot lose Connor Riley. And I believe he's one of those guys. I in deep in my heart, you can look through this roster, coaching roster, and see head coaches. Colin is certainly going to be a head coach. I think Joe Klanderman will be a head coach. I think Van Malone uh will be a head coach, maybe not the power five level, certainly immediately. He's sorry, Van, you're getting up in the years a little bit. So we'll see how that plays out. The guy I most believe in as a head coach is Connor Riley. And yet I'm uncertain him about being an offensive coordinator. Dabo Sweeney was never a coordinator. He went from receiver coach to head coach. Some guys are just suited to be a head coach. I think that if Connor's going to have a good game, I think he probably needs to learn how to call games from the booth. I think that he, if he's going to be calling the plays, I think he probably needs to do it from up top. And he probably needs to learn you know, a new skill if he wants to be that head coach or an offensive coordinator, someone else, I think somewhere else, I think that that would, you know, be a good demonstration of skill. But I also think if he doesn't have a good game, I think that you can look at the personnel on the field and what he's working with from an offensive standpoint. And you can say, you know what, we can give you a pass. Avery was out there. He was trying his best. Jace Brown was out there. He was trying his best. There was no help, you know, and they, you know, granted the offensive lines there, you have DJ Giddens there. I don't think that it's going to be a total disaster, but I think that that's another way to look at it and saying, look, the team lost team lost the, you know, if they lose the game, you look at the offensive production and defensive, you know, what they allowed, you know, I think that you can probably make your judgment based on that, but you know, there's, you can probably give Connor some credit in places where there might be some deficiencies. Especially losing Senate and Brooks. Last question. He lost the Senate. Is the House next? Thank you. I, I and the pres and the presidency. I had to get one more in there. I'm sorry. Now that no. now that okay. the, the US Senate has moved on. Last question. 
of the first half is from Hot Dog Cat. Who's the guy that's been buried on the depth chart that is going to stand out at the bowl game because of all of the departures? Um, Sterling Lockett. Look, folks, you keep saying Sterling Lockett on videos and stuff. There's Even with departures, there's people he has to clear to get up there. So uh, I'd like to say Trey Spivey. I think he's going to be a starter in this game. Might be. Eh, maybe not. I think Keegan Johnson's going to now erupt. He's going to, he's got to be the guy. He started to show signs of it. I think he saw what Philip Brooks brought, and he can be that with more burst. I love Philip. I thought, where would this program be over the last five years of Chris Kleiman's time without Phil being a reliable guy uh, on on the field? whether it's offense or special teams. Yeah, he had some screw-ups. Let's not forget the Big 12 championship. That was almost fatal. But I, I, quality, quality player, great kid. I wish him luck. I hope he does find a place in the NFL. I just don't know if he's got the burst. But, yeah, I think Spivey would be my choice. And maybe one of those young safeties is going to have to step up now that Kobe Savage is gone. Maybe a young defensive end is going to have to step up to be part of the rotation. We still don't know Brent of uh, uh, Mott's going to play. We don't know. And Did it feel like he kind of disappeared for the last half of the season yeah, a little bit? Weird. It's kind of weird. Granted, we didn't get him in media for that time, but usually the players you get in media are the guys that are making impacts on the field. Right. And you'd think that we'd get Brent Mott at least a couple of times between yeah, September sure. and end of September and December, I don't know. Uh, K State is going to have to find a little bit bigger defensive end to continue this. I mean, that's why Nate Madlock's leaving. I mean, that's it's just it. He's playing on the inside shoulder of a tackle that outweighs him by sixty pounds at minimum. Um, so yeah, I mean, get, those guys are going to have to be at least twenty pounds heavier than what they are. And I think they've got some guys in the system that could be be that and have the explosion to do that. So we'll see. It's going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun. I'm with Zach. This might be what bowls are now. Um, yeah, a lot of guys are in the portal. Here's our young guys. We're getting ready for next season. Let's have fun. And I hope K-State embraces that. Let's have fun. Avery, go do your thing. You want to throw the ball 80% of the time? Well, we may not give you that, but here we go. You know, we're going to throw the ball. We're going to spread the field. And that's the biggest thing with Avery. You want to run him? Then spread the field, damn it. Put five wide. Yeah. Quit, quit lining up with everyone in the box. You know, 22 guys within that could be killed by one hand grenade. I'm sorry. I'm watching World War II documentaries. Give me a break. So, yeah. Do you think if you let Avery pick all of the plays that he wanted to run, would he air it out 80% of the time? No. No. How many times do you think he'd keep the ball to run? Probably. Just in this bowl game or in general? Just uh, bowl game, well, say the bowl game. He doesn't want to get hurt in the bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. I, but okay. a player didn't think of that. A player really didn't think of that. I I got to run this right here. Well, you're, you know, this is where concussions happen. I don't care. We got to win. Yeah. Um. I'll, I'll, I thought I'd never say this about a freshman, a true freshman. I would trust Avery Johnson to call his own place. I think we'd I would see too. a balanced offense, uh, non-emotional play calling. 
folks, you don't understand what a treat this young man is. His own dad admits uh, he's kind of the, the the thoughtful, calm one here. I'm the emotional one. He's the one that thinks rationally and, you know, doesn't. They had offers. They had people were floating offers. And, you know, everyone might be saying, well, shouldn't we look at it? And he was like, no, I'm going back. It's my team. It's, I picked it. I'm I'm all in. He's just, I would trust him calling the plays. Honest to God, um, if if the new OC wanted to give back a lot of control to the quarterback, I'd be all in on it. Instead of looking to the sideline, Avery, you make the check. Make it check. Make it quick. Don't stop to let them adjust and read our signs. Go. Let's go. That's that's really one of the big things in college football now is people do steal signs. I mean, look at all the hijinks that go through to hide them. So if your quarterback can make the adjustments yeah. on the field, you're at a huge advantage. That's it for the first half of the Pyrocat Questions podcast. It was long, but I think it was good. I hope. We'll be back with more. We're sponsored by the Fridge Holster Liquor. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gills Gilbert here in the Cats and Dogs studio in Manhattan. And uh, we appreciate everyone's support of Go PowerCat. It's uh, it, just from a personal level, it's been amazing the support uh, people have shown. And even people who disagree with maybe what we're saying, it's not 95, 98% of the time, it's nothing personal. You get once in a while someone does stuff that you can't explain. But our our best interests are K State's best interests. You know, you're just doing it for business. Well, yeah, I think we can all agree that it would help my business if K State Athletics was good. But also, it helps a lot of people if K State Athletics is good, and it helps the university if K State Athletics are good. So, um, yeah, we're going to dig into it a little bit more here in the second half of this podcast. Remember, we're having 60% off right now at Go Powercat. Go sign up. We're growing like crazy. We appreciate it. If you're not signed up to YouTube, if you're not following this podcast, on a, you know, if, if you just, like, go find it, just hit the follow button. And if you're on Apple, for heaven's sakes, give us that five-star review, please. I mean, that that we don't push that enough. That is a significant contributor to their algorithm and who sees what podcast. Five-star review. Just say, hey, I listened to it because Fitz looks better without video. You're also able to say nothing if you don't want to. Just leave the five stars. Yeah, I hate, I hate it when you can just leave a re- You have to actually leave a review. I tried to leave a review on something and they said, it wasn't long enough. I'm like, then I'm not going to give you a positive review. <laughs> Anyhow. Go check it out. Make sure you're subscribing to the YouTube channel, our podcasts, and certainly go PowerCat, 60% off. And we're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. 
Oh my God, I had something for them. I have I had a read for them. Let's go ahead with your questions at Wabash a Station. Real read? And well, it's just something going on at the fridge I wanted to tell people about. Uh, but go ahead and I'll get to this when we when I find <laughs> it. Loads. We're gonna yeah. Um what, what is this? Uh from Shall I? Yeah, go ahead. Came to elevate. Now that we know there will be no Naquan Tomlin and we have seen the basketball team beat Villanova and LSU, where do you see this team finishing in the Big 12? I can if you go for it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of the conversations about what Kansas State needs to do on the court, filling in that role without Tomlin, but I'm probably more concerned with or potentially more concerned with this team off the court and the distraction that it created, but. We've seen the wins over Nova and LSU, like you mentioned, and they were locked in, especially down in Baton Rouge. I was just so impressed with how focused this team was, got out to a 5-0 lead, and obviously there were some ups and downs throughout the game, but by and large, they didn't look back, and they played solid for a full 40 minutes, and so on the court, this team has been playing without Tomlin for months now. It's official, yes, but... It's not like this was a season-ending injury that just so happened to happen in December. You know, they've been scheming up ways to play without him. And quite honestly, you look at the success that Kaluma's having, Arthur Kaluma's not the same player if Tomlin's on the court with him at the same time. There's only so many pieces of the pie to go around. And so all the stars, quote-unquote, on this team, like Perry, like Carter, like Kaluma, like I said, they're getting a lot more... Um, shots up. They're getting more reps. They're getting so many more minutes because Tomlin's not there. Now, would it have it would it have been great to have had Tomlin on the court? Sure, but he's not. That's the circumstance, and this team just has to move forward. So, the question I'll, I'll answer. You know, I don't know if the answer really changes. I think coming into the year, I said fifth, maybe sixth place, fourth if they can catch fire in Big Twelve play. I don't think that changes here, even without Tomlin. I really don't. Arthur Kaluma's taking it to a whole nother level. He wouldn't be it, doing that if Tomlin was here. Yeah, it's just elite what he's doing. I was really disappointed in, in him earlier in the year, but my goodness, he's been so good. And and what's made him so good is he started consistently connect on three-pointers. Yeah, I mean, at a higher level than you can expect. I mean, basically shooting around 75% for the last three games or something absurd. Yeah, And that means he then can put the ball on the floor and get it, get into a middle of a stretched out defense. And that's, that's his game. Uh, he's been amazing. And Cam Carter is so much better. I can't even explain it. He now does things that I didn't think he was capable of doing, but it turns out he just wasn't ready to do them. And some, he's made some circus shots that, that I don't even think he was prepared to take early in the year. He had self, you know, edited himself. I'm not taking that. I'm just going to go up with it and get a shot block. But now he's kind of doing fadeaways off the glass. And I think in a weird way, everything going on united this team. Yep. You got an attitude in your locker room. It's us against everyone. You got a pretty good locker room. You've got the team bonded. I mean, you look at social media, like every player was when Naquan committed to Memphis, right? Like everybody was in full, you know, still in support of him. Obviously, Tang and the staff have been outspoken as well. So... It seems like, yeah, like you said, Fitz, it's really brought them together in a weird way. Yep. Are we ready for this big ad? I yeah, was so excited. Read your ad. And then I then I totally forgot about it. Folks, right now, if you're in the Manhattan area, they are celebrating the five days of Fridgemas. 
It's horrible. That's horrible. Um, you've got to come into the store to enter. One entry per person per day. Each person is eligible to win one prize. Drawings will take place every day from 1218 to 1222. Let the games begin. There's coolers. There's um, uh, uh, cornhole. There's all kinds of stuff. There's a golf bag. So they're not giving away alcohol. <laughs> I know. I don't think you give away alcohol. I was about I'm to say, going. I'm like, I don't know if that's legal. Ooh, there's a, oh, my God. There's a Tito's, one of those like bar cart cooler things with the the, the bottle opener on the side. If it I was want, just Tito's, though, I mean. I want that. Be okay with that. I don't it's, know what you're describing. Uh, it's like a cooler, but okay. it's on wheels. Oh. It's on like waist high wheels. Not it's not like, filled with Tito's, is it? No, I just said they can't give away alcohol. But oh, like it is it's funny. like one of those things that you put the ice in and you sell stuff out of it? Like one of those things? Or no? Mm, it's it's, it's made for a party, but it's okay. like a, a cart. Like a shopping cart? Well, you know those old bar carts that people used to have on wheels with the legs and they're like waist high, but this is it's a cooler. That's badass. It's white. with the. Hmm. It's kind of funny that you would put beer into the cooler with the vodka logo. I'd put it up. I'd put I agree. Vodka. I put vodka. I I use Tito's. It's my uh, when I Tito's told me, don't bring up that. I don't know why I said it that way. I have no explanation. Tito's. Tito's. Uh, I use Tito's as my uh, foundation when I infuse. Nice clean vodka. Get it at the fridge. Go next question. I, just, I mean, Fitz, you're focusing all a lot of your efforts on the Naquan Tomlin Linton situation. I think you should dive into changing the liquor laws in Kansas so they can give away alcohol for free. So I'm not focused on the right things? Maybe. Okay. I think I think from, uh, uh, the president of the university would agree. From I Am The Fish, what is the real story with our NIL situation? We hear mixed stories that we are competitive with all but the big name schools. And then on the flip side, see people talk about how our NIL collectives are, and I say collectives, right, are, aren't well and or managed. Please help us understand, Fitz. There's nothing wrong with the collectives, um, but the money level isn't where they need to be. But the money level's there for the guys that need it the most. I, it's always just going to be a matter of marketplace. How much is Kobe Savage worth to the Kansas State NIL? I mean, $25,000 a year? fifty. And I think that's a reasonable number for a safety that probably doesn't have NFL speed. Um, particularly post injury, and but maybe he's worth one hundred and fifty to someone else. I, I mean, he, I'm almost to the point where I don't want to match that. I don't. This disgusts me at some level. I mean, it's I mean, it's free agency in a sense. Yeah, Kansas Just, State as an institution, a lot of institutions are going to have to have a discussion if the NCAA president gets his way on this new upper subdivision. We've got the FCS and FBS. People don't understand. That's all Division One. Don't ever call it Division Two. Division Two is Washburn, Fort Hayes. Um, that's a that's a de- different level. Division One, FCS football, is yeah. We play football at this level, but we're Villanova. We're in the NCAA tournament in North Dakota State. They're in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's, that's all part of Division One, But now he wants this elite thing where, um, you know, basics, basis of entry is $6 million. But basically, I think the guideline here is that you've got to have a 
athletics budget in excess of $100 million to be able to withstand the cost of paying every student athlete, of, you know, balancing this all out due to Title IX. So um, is, is that really what K-State wants to be? Or is there going to be a comfortable middle? Or is that middle made miserable at all times because as soon as you develop a player, they leave? You can't keep anyone. It's, it's going to be an interesting discussion, but I'll say this. Uh, we complain about the portal and the NIL. It is absolutely devastating FCS football. They can't keep a roster. We just saw Matt Entz, who replaced Chris Kleiman in North Dakota State. Hasn't had the same success, but still wildly successful by any reasonable standard outside of North Dakota State and Alabama and that. Uh, just leave. Not to be a head coach. Not to be a coordinator to be the linebackers coach at USC. It's just devastating, the FCS. And, you know, maybe that means there's only going to be two subdivisions. Just a lot of schools will move down, which I don't want to be a part of. So I don't know. Yeah, the NIL is going to be a problem for K-State um, simply because this institution doesn't typically graduate people in the immediately – identifiable, high-paying fields, attorneys, doctors. We, get, we have them, but they have to go to other schools. If, if this NIL situation becomes what the NCAA has proposed, the $6 million floor, I think that you're going to really have to reevaluate what sports you have that you sponsor at your university. Right. And I think that what it's going to come down to is you need to start looking at Recruiting athletes who can play two sports and two sports, you know, that like take volleyball, for instance. Now there's beach volleyball. The Big 12 is going to host a championship next year Absolutely. in beach volleyball. K-State should. Drop tennis, add beach volleyball. Absolutely. You have the same athlete pool. Easy. Absolutely. I mean, it's what you do for cross-country and distance runners. I mean, K-State, I don't want to call the... I don't want to call K-State the Royals, but when it comes to football players, like you said with, with NIL, is Kobe Savage worth $100,000 to K-State? Probably not. But if the market says he's worth that, go get your market value. I think that K-State can get guys and pay them, you know, the superstars, the Averys of the world. You can get those guys and take care of them, but you have to manage the roster, you know, money ball a little bit. But it's going to come down to sports. It's going to come down to, you know, how you allocate that money across the athletes. And you probably need to lower the number of athletic opportunities across the board in your department. Yep. And you need to figure out, you know, and maybe if this $6 million floor comes in, maybe they say you only have to sponsor 12 sports or 14 sports. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they said, hey, we're going to. You know, here's the money you have to put up to pay the athletes. Counterpoint to that is you get to reduce your number of sports. I think that that's probably going to have to happen for most universities. And at the very least, more teams are going to drop sports and they're going to operate at the minimum. More te more schools are going to look like K-State. Absolutely. But you're right. You will. They will focus on – if they keep the numbers, they'll do some of the things K-State's done. But I think it will be important – um, you know, K-State, people got to understand this. You have outdoor track, indoor track, and cross country. Those are basically the same student athletes. Six sports. Six. That counts for six sports. Six of them. 
out of 16. <laughs> and volleyball and sand volleyball allow you to do kind of the same thing. Exactly the same thing. So, you know, I, I can just see a movement towards uh, fewer sports, but also sports with fewer student athletes. Now, you're always going to have to have the offset for football, which is recognized as a men's sport. And technically, females can try out, but for Title IX right. purposes, um, you have to balance that with athletic opportunities that equal, not scholarships, opportunities. So I, I get that. I, I believe in Title IX. I also think, though, it's sometimes is bastardized. But there has been discussions that once they become employees, now yeah, once Title, Title IX's out, if you become a an employee. I don't see how you can say – I don't see how Title IX can exist in the way that it does yeah. now if you become an employee. And there's a movement to not sponsor men's sports, to sponsor open sports. And I don't want to get into the politics of that, but that's just been something that's floated that you will offer genetic female sports and open. That's what your two sports, your two teams will be. I don't know how the legal ramifications of that are, but there's so many things here. But let's just let's back up on this NIL thing because Avery Johnson coming out of high school was worth more to K-State than anyone else. They were able to pay him an NIL that was competitive at the recruiting level. And now that he's going to be proven, if he could turns out well, just what we've seen so far, coach schools want him. But um if he has a huge bowl game and has an incredible year next year, his market value will now be much different. But I think if a school wants to pay Avery Johnson $3 million a year, which is just crazy, folks, and they've got the NIL to do it, I have a feeling K-State has the NIL power to match it. What they aren't going to match is the safety or the corner, or the, you know, I mean, if there's a cornerback, hypothetically speaking, who screws up assignments, who uh, might have, I'm not going to say that, um, who uh, might have not wrapped up a tackle. I, that wasn't where I was going, but that was the next point. Okay. The might, might not like playing in cold weather, um, and it was never really noticed when he was off the field because the backup was better. If some school wants to pay him big money to play, Casey ain't doing that. They're going to go find someone who wants to earn, you know, wants to play. So I don't know, man. It's it, The NIL is a mess. I'm not comfortable with what the NCAA president has um, proposed. I'm really not comfortable by it. I just saw a headline, and I know you got to read the stories, but it's basically his message to the NCAA is either uh, – Accept my proposal, or you'll regret it. Great leadership, man. We just we're just swimming in great leadership around here. So the only thing I'll add is people always talk about um, coaches not wanting to get into bidding wars because of what it does to your locker room. You have to remember how much is this player really worth? Like we've been talking about, are they worth this in your locker room? Exactly. I mean, yeah, that's a great point. I think if Avery turns out to be what Avery indicates he might be. I think every player in that locker room are like, how much we need to keep him? Two and a half million? Yeah, someone find that. We need him on this team. We need him in this locker room because he's a special kid off the field too. 
So it's it's interesting. It's frustrating. Again, this is all set up by the NCAA's just total negligence of being negligent of duties. They just have let this slip, let it slide. We didn't get our way. Let's go pout. And they're still letting teams cheat when they say, well, it is against the rules. Then enforce it, damn it. Put out a letter saying NIO collectives are representing your university and people will now be disassociated with the university for uh, anything related to recruiting NIL offers. You aren't supposed to be able to do that. Here we are, let alone contacting someone else's players. From Wildcat Pilot 88, could you please explain Chris Chris Kleiman's contract regarding the verbiage of retaining Gene Taylor and President Linton and what that might mean for this current situation? This is very uh, telling of what's going on here. The only one that matters there is Gene Taylor. I mean, I think he put that in there on Richard Linton so he could see who the next president was. Because I am of the belief, and many are of the belief, pre-cancer, there was a lot of buy-in on Richard Linton. I will be the first to tell you, everyone handles cancer differently. Everyone reacts differently. And that isn't just from the mental fatigue of having this demon inside of you, which is un- unexplainable. I can't put it into words how unsettling that is. It does suddenly make you realize that you're running out of time. But radiation changes you. My pelvic area, my stomach area will never be the same from the damage done from radiation. So I I can't imagine how impactful above the shoulders radiation could be. Remember when Bill Snyder went through radiation, we saw him call out players and uh, in post game and and get really snippy with the media and stuff that we've never seen before. Yeah, same radiation that Richard Lynn has received. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what his medical history is, but that's just my theory that he's gone from someone that I don't want to be here without you to we can't be here anymore with you. So the topples are this: Jerome Tang. I'm gonna go. I don't know. We got a question about this. Jerome Tang's gone. I had someone asked me the odds. Said they heard it was 80% he was gone. No, it's more like 95%. Don't believe when they say everything was agreed on. Everything was settled. It wasn't. There's so many, so much misinformation out there. This, this relationship shattered and broken. It just is. There's no repairing it. There's no trust left. And I don't blame him for leaving. He's the greatest thing to happen in K-State since Bill Snyder. He is, he's got the ability to evolve the community and the campus like nobody since Weefald and Snyder. People said, you'll never find anyone like that again with Bill Snyder. K-State did. And now a new president's going to run him out. It's, it, it, it twists my stomach. A president that pre-cancer mentioned how important he is to the campus and the impact he's had not just on basketball or athletics, but the campus. And now wants to take control of his program. So he's gone. (coughs) As I've mentioned repeatedly, Gene's Gene's life's been made miserable. 
It's a living hell. Can you imagine having a boss that's holding your job over your head with everything you do? Who sticks around for that? Particularly when you're 60. I mean, is a million dollars a year worth that? Maybe it is. We'll find out. But Gene leaves Chris Kleiman's short. And I don't think Chris will move anywhere. I think Chris might coach a year or two more, put a little more money in the bank and call good. That's just my thought. All the renaissance level evolutions that we could see with K-State as a university and certainly as an athletic department, which I openly admit impacts me, will be dead and gone if this is not resolved. From Twin Cat One, couldn't athletics be removed from supervision by the president, especially since athletics doesn't take a dollar from the university? Have the athletics have have the athletics director report to the KBOR or a committee? It, in theory, it should work that way, but it won't. It won't because the president covers all students at the university and student athletes are still students. So if a student athlete does something on campus, yada, 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 that doesn't fall under athletics, they're still a student. So even if you sell your rights to your athletic department, to an entity, and, and that's believed where this is going, this is a whole different topic. There, there's a lot of discussion that basically Alabama, Michigan, they'll all be run by investors, I mean, they'll be licensed to use the marks in the name of Alabama. But keep this in mind, too. The students don't, student athletes don't go to school for free. The athletic department pays the tuition. So even then, it's kind of like. I mean, K-State Athletics, Inc. is the company name. But you know when you hear a broadcast, and it's certainly the same with Learfield, these announcers are hired by Learfield, but. Approved by Kansas State University. You never give up your rights. You do, do you think there's any chance they'd want me on the broadcast, even if it was independent? I mean, I would be positive about K-State. But do you think Richard Lynn would want me on the – no. He don't want me at the games. He don't want me talking to anyone. So, yeah, they'll always keep the ability to manage who represents their brand which is the school. And it's the same. NFL can have an NBC guy fired if he gets too mouthy about, you know, on NFL licensed broadcasts about Roger Goodell or like Tito's, uh, Roger Goodell. Tito's. Tito's. So, yeah, no, um, it is independent. And there has been a thought of what is he doing? He does. He's, is he technically Jerome Tang's boss? I don't know that he is technically, and that might be why he's threatening Gene Taylor because that he that is the approved hire from, and that's the ongoing concern. Gene Taylor leaves, now this guy gets to hire his own person, like John Curry, just like Kirk Schultz did with Curry, who wreaked havoc through athletics and destroyed things that were going in a good direction. It's nuts. Last question from El Camino Cat. What will it take for the drama to go away and for things to feel normal again? He's uh, President Lenton's got to leave. Pretty cut and dry, isn't it? It, it, it? Yeah. He'll never, his relationship with, with major donors, one exception noted, um, and the student body and the alumni, other than 
10% that, you know, apparently like authoritarian. Oh, my God. Authoritarian? That that doesn't sound right either. I know what you're trying to say, though. Authoritative. Uh, Yeah, other than that, the the few people that just love being told exactly what to do. I see the same people that, that supported John Curry supporting Richard Linton, and I'm like, what is wrong with you? What what exactly has gone wrong in your wiring where you want someone who makes everyone's life miserable around because they're nice to you? So, yeah, uh, without the school will never be the same with Richard Linton in office now. He has burned every possible bridge with a few exceptions. And one's a big exception. He sits on the Board of Regents. But I hope it's actually a matter of him understanding what's going on and trying to get there with a more peaceful resolution. I, I will never have a working relationship with a man who tried to essentially step on the first amendment and the freedom of the press because he's so insecure. I'll never have a relationship with that person. He won't want me at games. The last thing he wants is me totally cut free from any obligations of K-State. Can you imagine me able to say everything? Would they have no ability to threaten me for my opinions? You can't sue someone for their opinion. That'd be really dumb, but I don't know. It's it's a frustrating situation. I, I see that as the only resolution now because if Jerome Tang's important to you, that's the only resolution you should want. I personally think the Board of Regents, and I've written a letter about this, should Give him medical leave until we figure out what's going on with him. And maybe the doctors say nothing's going on with him. And then, okay, well, now you've broken the tension here by putting him on leave. And then you can investigate how it was handled. And did he put K-State in grave legal jeopardy by alluding to this unknown NCAA, which we're told there is none, Title IX, which we're told there is none, thing that he... He used over a student athlete, hiding behind the student athlete's own ability to pri- for privacy, own um, ownership of privacy from federal law. Use that to weaponize, to smear the student athlete. I, putting something out there and not explaining it and not being thorough with it or just kind of regurgitating something that has been resolved um, puts the university in a bad position. So I feel like I think you're right. He needs to go. That's the only way that things will feel absolutely normal again. But I will say if Jerome Tang can get this basketball team going during big 12 play and not necessarily the Big 12 tournament, but if he has another run like he did last year in the NCAA tournament, I'm not going to say a lot of people will have forgotten what happened in November and December, but it will take some of the sting away, especially if he gets to the Final Four, you know, and maybe he does move on after that. But K-Staters will still have that Final Four season if that happens. You know, I think this is a big ask for reducing the pain, I guess, that K-Staters have felt over the last couple months. But I think that that ties the story in as a it ends it on a happier note 
I guess, so to speak, if Tang does leave. I don't know. I mean, I, I think you want Tang to have as much success as possible in this basketball team, as much success as possible. If you want to feel normal and if he if he does leave, I mean, that sucks. I mean, there's it's not going to make it completely normal again, especially if you if you still have Linton, especially if he's fired Gene Taylor at this point, especially if he's going to hire the next basketball coach. Yeah, nothing's ever going to feel normal after that. But we're all K-Staters. We are invested in the success of the sports programs. And I think if you want to forget about what has happened, I guess, I think you've got to cheer for as much success on the court as possible. There's not, But there's nothing normal about a Power 5 coach arriving at his dream job 18 years after being an assistant, leaving after a Final Four run. And so it'd be great for the the program and the school and the fans to get to the final four, but things would get even worse than they are now, in my opinion, just because of what such good things you had happened, just taken away from you because of a president. <laughs> so you're just kicking the can down the road. And no, I, I get that. But at least you remember this happier than, you know, K-State spiraling going eight and 10 or seven and 11 you know, they like lose the in the first round of the Big so 12. Lower than the high of a Final Four would be if Jerome Tang just up and left after it. But I think we see the painting. We, I think we. I think we. Look, I think we've we've accepted the reality. If you accept the reality that this is Jerome Tang's last year at Kansas State, it's obviously the worst case scenario here. But if you, as a K State fan, can accept that reality. Enjoy it while it lasts and hope you get the biggest return possible from it. Let's wrap this up with a couple of thoughts. First, there's this is not phony from Jerome Tang. He moved his family, his entire family. His parents are here now. They want to be here for the rest of their careers. They freaking love this campus in Manhattan. And I think in part, that's why this hurts so bad to him that uh, the love really is sincere. And he thought they had the right boss to, you know, see it through. And now some, something's changed and there's upheaval across campus. He doesn't want to leave, but Frank Martin didn't want either. Frank Martin and I remain good friends. He walked out. I don't know if I've ever shared this. He walked out of the locker room after their loss to Syracuse in Pittsburgh when John Curry, right after suspending Jamar Samuels, for reasons that the NCAA later said was totally unnecessary and just needed to be reported and resolved at a later date. Just a clear undermining of his team as a power play. It, that's all it was. That's all it was. He walked out after hearing John Curry then to have the balls to go into his locker room after the season ended in a game that if they'd had Jamar, they might have won. And give a little talk about how great things were. And they did what they needed to do. He walked out of that locker room, leaned into my ear in Pittsburgh and said, Fitz, I just had to leave my own locker room so I didn't punch my boss and in my career. He was gone. You don't have to understand why he was gone. But if you have a boss that makes your life a living hell and you don't trust and is out to get you, John Curry had folders to fire Frank Martin, and oh yeah, he built a folder on Bill Snyder to fire him. Now we have this at the presidential level. You're not going to stay, man. This, this situation is so ugly, and most of the ugliness has come from the president's office. 
before I go too far, I have much more to say. And I don't want to say it right now. I think it needs to be said later on when we kind of know what's going on with everything a little bit better. So we'll finish up the podcast. But one quick thought here, and I should have put this in earlier, but I'm, I'm old. <laughs> and Ryan Wallace and, and Cole Carmody are going to get together tonight and record a second podcast. But it's a video version of the questions podcast. They will answer questions that we did not answer here It'll also appear in our audio, our podcast feeds, all across those platforms. We appreciate you listening to the podcast, supporting Go Power Cat, 60% off right now at GPC. Go take care of that. Cat fans are something else. And to watch them come together, mostly, over situations like this is absolutely remarkable. But again, there might be more that needs to be said. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You don't want to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.